Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. See lots of things like rugby netball being played, supposedly aimed to promote spatial awareness. Mm. It promotes a space that you're then going to tell them they're not going to use. Um, so I'm not keen on teaching things that are contrary to what they need to learn. Rugby Coach Weekly presents The Coaching Knife, where we cut to the root, cut out the fluff, and challenge the masters of their domain to cut to the chase. Hello and welcome to The Coaching Knife, where we come to the root of the matter. In this episode, we are going to speak to Garrett Davis, rugby coach and content creator, and the content creator behind the GDD Coaching. Uh, see it on YouTube and on Twitter. Focusing on improving performance and learning, we're going to cut to the root on what training sessions should look like. Garrett, are you ready for the knife? Ready for it. Does training need to look like rugby? For them to learn to play rugby as much as possible um i think the younger the age group probably the more important that is um, i see a lot of under nines and ten sessions uh, in particular that don't look or feel like the game so yes uh, as much as possible so but if they if they if you're with an under nines and tens they don't have much understanding of the game of rugby so what elements do you definitely need in there? And what elements won't you say, I, I can? we can leave that for a moment? They need catch and pass, they need run, they need an ability to see and spot genuine space. So what space means in a, in a rugby context, which of course is different in, in different sports. Um, so I'd expect so, to see so just now, Let's go back to what space looks like. I mean, for an under nine or under 10, I'm guessing that that's going to be quite hard for them to picture, picture that. So how can we help them with that? in a rugby context? Play loads of 2v2, 3v3, 4v4, loads of games that involve running forwards and passing backwards, um, which is the predominance of the game. Um, See lots of things like rugby netball being played, um, which uh, is supposedly aimed to promote spatial awareness. Mm. It promotes a space that you're then going to tell them they're not going to use. Um, So I'm uh, I'm not keen on teaching things that are contrary to what they need to learn. But surely, so rugby netball does have some help because it gives them a chance to uh, learn how to pass a bit better and catch a bit better and move uh, uh, there's, there's elements of it um my my mindset is always if there's a if there's a better way why not use the better way um right. so i would stick to say three v threes four v fours so that's quite tough though for um a player to be able to execute a three v three effectively at nine or ten i mean it's pretty hard at at senior level so um obviously we're going to have to modify the game a little bit you've modified it by reducing the numbers how else would you modify it but still make it look like rugby uh, what's difficult to execute about a 3v3 or a 4v4 would be well, one question to that okay so do most under nines under tens able to score tries in a 3v3 4v4 i'm guessing not but uh, you're gonna you ta- i hope you're gonna tell me otherwise and we're gonna look what make a help them give a game or give us a scenario which is going to do that if you look at a single phase scoring then it would be incredibly difficult um right. it would also be pretty boring for the kids i imagine if they're scoring in single phases so right. 
the game for those players is what 88, 99, mm. where they get very few touches on the ball. Uh, they play in a in a space that is not not hugely uh, conducive to to engagement. Um, so playing playing games that are uh, age appropriate that give them opportunity to run and pass the ball uh, and to have multiple opportunities to be directly involved in a game um, at, at those ages. Of course, as you go through the the ages, numbers and spaces change, but I think the mindset is still applies for them to get good at something then help them do it as often as possible right so uh, let, let's say uh, we've got a group of under 12s in front of us what would be what would be the sort of things that you'd be trying to do them so uh, you say like let's play a 4v4 5v5 for instance what are the game rules or the the scenario rules that you would be putting in place to make that look like the game but also give them some benefits because otherwise we don't want to be too hard all the time. No, I think you've got to be uh, specific about what you want to coach. Right. So coaching the game is pretty broad, isn't it? So uh, look, look and feel like the game will look and feel like part of the game is is probably more appropriate. So if it's under twelve session and you want to coach the breakdown area. That doesn't that doesn't have to be in a game. You can you can do that in a in a drill practice that looks and feels like the game where they get context based pressure. Start with it. You could have a passive tackle in that environment. Uh, you could have a, contest, a contested breakdown. That that might be a single phase opportunity. Bounce back up. Have a go again. That's that's repeated exposure to the skill that you want to coach. That that doesn't so it doesn't have to be a game to look and feel like the game. Right. So what we're saying is that we don't necessarily have to have a game to make it feel or be right for what we want to do. We can we can put them into, and I've got to be obviously careful with the language, isolated situations. So just talk me through those sort of isolated situations and sort of the, the do's and don'ts to allow you to make it appropriate. For me, it is it's taking snapshots of the game. So if you, if you as an example, when it course the tackle, have a look at the context in which your tackle occurs within a game. And can you can you create that or recreate that in a, that could be a 1v1 practice, but can you recreate as much of the parameters of that attack as possible? So it might be 1v1 in a, a two, two meter wide area, two meter long, so a pretty small space. But can you involve a, uh, the, the person who's going to be attacking? Can you feed them a pass? They could use a bit of footwork to try and beat somebody. Again, looks and feels like the game, trying to beat somebody. You've got a tackler then who's going to try and stop you in this space. You're you're replicating an element of the game in a way that gives you repeat exposures. You can, you'll get far more opportunities to tackle in that environment in a five-minute block than you get in a 10v10 game where allegedly you're working on tackle. How many tackles is each individual genuinely going to make? Probably not many. So the game, lots of repetitions, lots of efforts there. Now, but I mean, if you're trying to build up the tackle, so with maybe more experienced players, you'll be feeding the ball in or trying to be beat the, the player with a bit of footwork in a two-meter area. But if a player is, say, struggling to make, make a tackle, what would you do just to help them build up to that? Or is it, is it building up to it? Is, is that how you would do it? What, what would you be doing to make it feel like the game, though they are novices at this stage? Keeping the objective, both sides in uh, the game objective, I think is important. So you've got players who've never tackled before. The aim of the of the game, isn't it? To, for a ball player to try and score, for a tackle to try and stop that person from doing so. If you break the game into its most fundamental part. So you could have a 1v1 static situation where you've got a corner meter in front of the person with the ball can you can you score on that ball pretty, pretty simple you haven't, go, you haven't got to go very far you start static and you simply get there you start the tackler right in front of them and meet, it's not a sort of game as such but it's it's got game components to it as in the game rugby union and so it's 
low low pressure, but it's got an element of context that is teaching this player like what is this game about? It's about me getting forwards as a, as a tackler. It's about me getting forwards as a, as a ball player. So we got well, obviously uh, I mean, a cone is on the ground, so it gives you some representation of um, a target to go for. So. How about things like ruck pads and tackle tackle tubes? Do, do they have a role in this? How how can they be helpful, or are they are they helpful? I think they're incredibly helpful. Um, depending on what you're cost you're using them for. Right, okay. Um, if you want to make if you want players to make shoulder contacts, so uh, since I was a very young boy many many months ago, you've been taught to tackle with your shoulders. That is a that's a feel thing, isn't it? To, to know what it feels like hit hit with your shoulder using a, a contact shield that takes a lot of the impact away. Um, that means you can probably get more repetitions without, without causing any undue uh, undue pressure. So I've got so just going back to that. So what you do is you getting you're talking about the feel, but you're also talking about repetitions. But the, I mean, the feel of hitting a shoulder into uh, into a body is quite significantly different from going into a, to a pad so how are we getting this balance here on repetitions and feel the reality is that you as a as a tackler you're not going to make multiple tackles of real heavy shoulder contacts into bodies and that a body be okay for, for a period of time um so if you, if you want the i want them to have six real heavy hits i'm not going to do that i'm probably not going to do that into bodies um so hitting the pad i mean the, the pad obviously compresses if you if you hit it real hard, uh, so you, you're getting the body element to it, but you're you're preserving that body as much as possible. It's it, it's a way you're getting as as close to as is possible. So I mean, so pads can be getting close to. So w- when you do this, what sort of things are you avoiding doing with the pads so it becomes less like the game? Because obviously uh, we see tackle tubes being used as targets where people are diving from about 20 yards away to uh, not 20 yards but a good a good distance away to land in so that's an obvious one to avoid what other things do you think that would be really useful for coaches to do with the pads or not do to get that sort of level of feel and repetition which is useful um i think there's a there's a lot to be said for making sure that the players understand the person carrying the pad is a ball Carrier. I think that's often often forgotten to get them. If you want to build up the pressure with it, get them to move and behave like a like a ball carrier because that's that's what they are. Make sure that your target points are pretty clear, but reference the target points in line with the body, not with the pad. So if you're if you're aiming for the leg, make sure that the focus of attention is is on aiming for the legs. Um, then with your pad holders, like you, you want you want them to move ideally as naturally as possible. You want them to move like like, like ball carriers, and also not be waving the pad around. So the purpose of the pad is to reduce the impact and the kind of the wear and tear on the body. So making sure the pad is held tightly to the, tightly to the body, uh, and it's not the ball player doesn't almost use the pad to avoid themselves getting hit, which uh, which I see a bit of. <laughs> so uh, so the pads there, I could see that, but the the, the tackle tubes again, um, they they come with pros and cons. How how do we get the most out of those? Um, I, I I see like having a tackle too upright and then running into it and hitting it. I mean, as a conditioning practice, if you want to condition your players, get a bit of a repeat effort, then pretty pretty useful for that, I think. Um, as a genuine tackle improvement, building confidence, I'm not convinced by that. Um, I, I prefer that I prefer to use a contact shield with the body or just use the body. But I think tubes are quite useful for get the shoulder contact. So when they're laid flat on the floor, it's quite pretty useful for level for changing your height as you go into a tackle. That that's a skill. You want players to tackle low. You're going to teach them to tackle low and the ability to move your body from an upright position into a low plane. That's, that's a skill, and you're going to teach it. So you can. I think you could. Teach 
competes actually really well with uh, with tackle sausages. Now let's uh, let's let's move on to thinking about the difficulty with rugby is that to make it look like the game, we've probably got to get some contact in there. It's just it's one of the hard things. Other other sports like soccer, basketball, and hockey they don't have that. They can they can play on and on and on. Um, how do we make that work in in a training session? I mean, given that uh, there are some guidelines sort of coming out that you're only allowed about 15 minutes of full contact a week, what what can we do in training to help us make it look more like the game? Yeah, I mean the contact area, right? The, the contact area is is probably the constraint when it comes to making your um helping your players learn their game without doing full contact i, I don't think that you need full contact for it to, to to train really well um i would do it very rarely whether it's full out team on team um in training um but shoulder on contacts is pretty uh or body in front and a lot of a lot of coaches use um which I'm a fan of touch. I, I don't like i don't like touch i don't i don't play it um so touch is uh is not good for either side of the ball. It's not good for ball carriers. It's not good for tacklers. Um, so body in front would be would be one. So do, exactly, how does body in front work then? So I mean, I've got a picture in my mind of it. Uh, so uh, the ball carrier is moving forward, obviously trying to evade, avoid. Um, what counts as a body in front contact touch uh, tackle? So a shoulder contact is a tackle, rather than it being a hand, it has to, has to be a shoulder. Um, now, with younger players, I think they, they find that incredibly tough. Um, so simple constraints, like if it's a shoulder on contact, it's a tackle. There's no off-road allowed. If it's a hand contact, you can keep moving, but you've got to pass within five steps or, or you can pass before you score, which is actually quite a nice way of replicating line breaks. And you can sell that to the players in that if it's a hand tackle, it, it probably is a line break. Um, and if it's a shoulder tackle, it's probably not a line break. So it's quite, it's quite easy to contextualise that. Right. So, uh, so I'm going to move jump to something completely different now. So I'm um, thinking about handling and catch pass, which you said is very important, run forwards, pass backwards. Uh, one way to uh, improve catch pass is to uh, stand and pass to another player. And, uh, mm-hmm. Quite often, I don't know why it is, it's all rugby players. Before a game, they'll stand in a circle, pass the ball around a circle. And I'm sure there's some benefits for uh, remembering who you are. I'm guessing that's not very representative. Um Is just running forward in a line, passing the ball without any defenders in front of you. Is that still worthwhile? Uh, yes. I think standing in a circle probably not stop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite get that one. But yeah, static passing, passing uh, with nobody in front of you. Uh, I yeah, you probably know by this point. I'm, I don't buy into the fact you have to have defenders in front of you. I think you have to. Well, have why reference. not? Well, why not? Why not have? Why defenders? not having defenders in front of you? I mean, um, don't don't you? Is that not helpful in terms of improving catch pass? Because you've got to know when to pass, not just when and why to pass, not just how to pass. Uh, yeah, definitely. That, that's an element of the of the skill. So, I, as an example, if I did a like a genuine pressured five v three practice, there would be less catches and passes in in that. So it's just the nature of it. Uh, so if I've got a four minute block. Uh, where I want players to square up on the pass, maybe get get round, uh, get round from a tight position like a ruck, get round a corner of a ruck, and then be able to square their hips up, uh, rotate from their upper body and catch the ball and pass. That's a that's a mechanical skill uh, which you can get real real repetition and, and coach that actually really well. Um, I think having reference points with it is, is really important though. So I, I think having having an external reference. 
relevance to where I'm aiming, uh, or like what does good width look like as an example, that like you've got to, you got to look and feel what width is, you got to look and feel what depth is. So those are, you know, I don't need a defender to coach those, those skills. So how deep and how wide I get, that's me determining what my attack looks like. I'm not, that's, that's not wholly determined by the defense. So just, just so if we just uh, break that down a bit, then uh, what we're saying is that we're going to go through the skill, but the player understands why they're doing it in that moment. They're not just doing it for the sake of, I'm just going through a load of petitions of squaring up and passing the ball. They've, they've got, got to, to explain that. the purpose. You've got right. to explain the purpose. Otherwise, I don't understand the purpose, the point of the practice um, as a coach or a player. So if I'm going to coach a player to cut, cut inside to be able to get around a corner and then cut inside the pass or be able to hold a square to pass or whatever, they've got to understand what, why is that the case. So constantly representing the game, how it's going to impact us. If you put that into a 5v3 practice or a 5v4, 6v4 practice, then it should be the exactly the same coaching points that you're coaching. So the width and depth, which you don't necessarily, I've been able to patch with my palms up. I don't need the defender to coach those skills. I, I, and in fact, I think it's probably unhelpful. Um, when I need a defender to make it more game-like, I'm still coaching those skills. And I'm reminding them of the context we just talked about. I don't, okay, I don't, so I don't. We're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're, by taking away the defenders, we are, uh, we're not necessarily taking away the context. Uh, if the players understand the context of what they're doing it, you will get that they will have defenders in front of them eventually, but not necessarily at, at the start in order to get the repetitions in. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you're going to get, you're going to get a higher level of repetition. There's, there's no doubt of it. I'm going to get more players, more players on the ball. And it's just being, being cute about what, what you're coaching. If you're coaching players to really engage the line and get closer to a face of a defense before passing the ball, then you have to have a defense. If, if that's what you're coaching, if that's not what you're coaching, and the coach is something that doesn't need a defence, then don't use a defence. <laughs> okay, so uh, just thinking about the catch pass, then there are various different balls available to catch and pass with. I'm sort of going to guess that you're going to say just use a rugby ball, but you may say differently. Yeah, no, the vast majority of the time is is with a rugby ball. Um, right. But I, I do use other balls as well. So I do some some of the boys really struggle with hand to eye hand to eye coordination. Not adverse using tennis balls with those boys and to add a little bit of challenge. Again, it's about being specific about what am I coaching and why am I coaching it. Like if it's if a kid is struggling with coordination, then I'm going to help them with their coordination. Most times, definitely spent with a rugby ball, but use different size balls, use balls uh, intentionally without grip on, particularly if I want to uh, like want to stress my nines passing then and I want to get them to really grip into the ball and put pressure on with their thumbs then a ball without grip on makes that so much tougher so there's I think that there's definitely space for that and that allows you to kind of up, go up and down the pressure scale all right okay so what do we is the, what we're going to think about is like a pressure scale when we're you uh, introducing the balls I mean everything's got to be intentional is what you're saying absolutely yeah you, I wouldn't just put a different size shape ball in so using a football as an example just because I think it's a great idea it'd have to be a, I'd have to have seen something some kind of purpose for, for doing that um I generally don't use footballs because I because I don't see the purpose I, I just don't see it I, I don't see the I honestly don't see the crossover if I wanted to make it easier to catch the ball then maybe slow the practice down or give them more uh, reduce the pressure yeah I'm, I'm not convinced that there's a huge transfer between that but if it's as I say hand-to-eye coordination then I'll do hand-to-eye coordination-based practices. It's going to hack it back to my PT days. <laughs> All right. Okay, Garrett, we've uh, we've covered a load in that, so we're going to finish there. So Garrett is an academy coach, was previously head of PE and games at Leicester Grammar, 
school and head coach at Nuneaton. His philosophy is, I believe in leaving no stone unturned in order to help everyone in my environment be as good as they can possibly be. As I mentioned, you do need to go over to his YouTube uh, channel, GDD Coaching, and also catch up with him on Twitter, at Davies, that's uh, I-E-S-G-D-D, or he has got his own Patreon channel, GDD Coaching. So we're going to finish with some uh, quickfire questions. Garrett, how old are you? Uh, 38. What's coaching book is by your bedside? I've got three at the minute. So uh, Creativity Inc. by Ed Cutmore, uh, which is outstanding. Um, Thinking Fast and Slow, Daniel Kahneman, uh, and Dry, Daniel Pink. I'm nearing the end of all three of those. All right, okay. I mean, the Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow is one hell of a slow read. Really. <laughs> so anyone who's been through run. that one uh, <laughs> is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a great a great mind in themselves. Right. Which coach, teacher are you loving at the moment? Uh, I'm loving Ronald Gardner's work. I think uh, it's pretty pretty cool watching, uh, watching the way that he works and the way that he engages. Uh, and Andy Farrell, I think, he's done a fantastic job over at One Island. So, yeah, th- those those guys stand out at the minute. No Welshman in that uh, group there. Right, which team, sport, subject do you love to coach at the moment? Oh, I love I love tennis. Um, so uh, and, I, and I love coaching tennis. I love the, the, the tactical intricacies and the kind of personal relationship you get get with the players. So that's a that's another passion. Uh, who's inspired you most? Probably Steve Bothwick. Yeah, had a had a huge influence uh, on me. Um, and I think uh, he'll uh, I think only matter time until he does very well with England. Uh, apart from when they play Wales, of course. And uh, what would you tell your twenty year old self to do more? Of? Probably relax a bit. Um, <laughs> don't be so uptight. Uh, and uh, maybe maybe spread my wings. Uh, a little bit more maybe maybe try a few more things outside my comfort zone Gary it's been brilliant thank you very much for your time thank you